the biggest problem that people have getting their minds around is the fact that the Congress, our government, was replaced a long time ago with a bunch of corporations largely owned offshore. The so-called Civil War was planned offshore. France and England designed it. We would have never known that. It was all in secret. They wanted cotton at a decent price for their new industrial revolution, and they, they wanted our cotton. But France and England were going through an industrial revolution, and cotton was really needed to feed those textile mills. It was the gold rush of centuries. Russia was not participating in that. If France and England got that chance to move ahead economically, Russia would never catch up. He says, it just simply wouldn't be good for my people. And of course, they assassinated him. They didn't like what he did. And that's what happens when you get involved with a very criminal type empire all over this planet that pretends to be governments of countries. And at the bottom of the heap or the top of the heap, however you want to measure it, you'll find the Britain. Britain is right there as a lapdog of the Pope's office. He hasn't been very holy in a long time, his office. If you are like me, you're constantly searching for the best solutions to keep you and your family healthy. We all know that diet and exercise is important, but unfortunately, diet and exercise is not enough in today's toxic and nutritional deficient environment. No matter how much you try to eat healthy, soils depleted of minerals will not produce sufficiently nourishing food. That's why we have carefully curated products on the controlyourhealth.care website that keep you fully nourished. The Healthy Foundation Pack for those wanting a complete nutritional program, the On The Go Pack for those looking for a more convenient yet quality solution, and the plant-derived minerals for those on a budget who need more for your money. Starting at less than $30, you can get what our bodies lack the most, and that's minerals. The plant-derived minerals contain up to 77 minerals from prehistoric plants in their unaltered colloidal form, which will give you nourishment you just cannot find in today's food. The price does not mean less quality. Far from it. Plant-derived minerals are also in the complete nutritional program, and these minerals are what our foods lack most. Plus, it comes in tasty flavors for the entire family to enjoy. So if you're on a tighter budget, plant-derived minerals are for you. You can find links for these and many other products at controlyourhealth.care or at sarahwestall.com slash shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Bobby Graves coming back. It's part of our educational program on our true history and what the United States really is. The fact that we were born sovereign, but for many of us, or for all of us, mostly, it was taken away until you reclaim it. And what that means, it seems it's so much fraud and ridiculous behavior that it's hard to get your head around it. And, you know, most of us think that God made us free. You know, we're sovereign at birth. So what the heck is this? You guys are full of crap. And we are. That's my point is once everybody starts to realize this, I'm hoping you know, around the whole world, people realize that we we're born like this. God made us like this and human beings mess it up. And so we can just throw it out once our consciousness all rises. But before that happens, we have to work within this dumb system and it's dumb. You shouldn't have to fill something out so that you're free. But in their system, because it's we're surrounded with it, we have to work within this 
dumb system until we can raise the consciousness level enough where everybody understands it and we can just say, we're done with you. We remove the shackles of this, this slavery. And even if you, if you have no context of what I'm talking about, it's even hard to, like Sarah, you're rambling about weird stuff. That's why I'm gonna invite you to listen to this Bobby Graves series. I've done over 30 hours of interviews on your right as a sovereign citizen, what that means. So many different factions are all arguing with each other, not understanding. And I, I've, I really like Bobby. I, love, I like other people that I've run across. It just makes sense to me. I do think that we all have to learn as much as we can. As more of this gets out, we learn our true history. We'll come to some consensus about what's really going on, and we will just end it. I mean, we have more slaves today than we've ever had. We've never ended slavery. We are all slaves. They've been stealing our money and stealing, making us work for nothing. I mean, they take every, all of our taxes, and that's what we need to understand. And I also have a website here. Uh, I'll have it below and in the notes where you can go and track your own state your own uh, PNL and start to track the money trail so you can prove to yourself what's really going on. Until you prove to yourself with looking at the facts, it's all just gibberish. You don't believe any of it. So it's important that we get these facts out and we can have a, a proof of it and, and, and start to look at it. And so anything that Bobby says and you think is ridiculous, you've got to go and do your homework, see if you can find the proof. You don't want to just believe what people are saying. You want to be able to prove it to yourself so that you can fundamentally understand it. Because until you get to that point, it doesn't feel real. But once you can start seeing it in black and white, you can start seeing it happen, you start to understand it more. You can understand what's really going on in this country and in the world, frankly. So anyway, so this is such a great educational series. I had them back, it's a two-part series, it's long, I mean, two shows, a uh, two-part show, and each show is gonna be long because I just loved, he talks a lot, he's, he's a really good storyteller. I try to squeeze in my questions here and there, and um, I just love listening to him, I learn a ton every time I listen to him, and I hope you do as well. And uh, we're just going to keep this series going and we're going to keep, he's a historian. You know, he's, he's older. I like talking to my elders who've spent their whole life learning about history. And he's just painstakingly detailed about understanding what really went on. And he's good at telling the story. So that's why I love having him on. And we'll just keep doing this. Okay, so before we get into this, I want to remind you to go to my website, sign up for my newsletter and while you're there please support my affiliates because that's how um, i support the show that and my memberships so everybody who does it thank you so much i really really appreciate you for supporting the show and you know with all the censorship i just hope we can uh, keep it going for not just me but for many of us who have been just persecuted in this environment and we got to put an end to that as well so anyways let's get into this really good interview. I'm going to call this one an interview. This one's not much of a discussion because he talks so much and I love it. And I like to usually do discussions, um, but this one's a clear interview. This interview with Bobby Graves. Bobby, welcome back to the program. Thank you. I am really excited to talk to you again. Everyone loves listening to your stories. And so I'm, I'm like, we got to get Bobby back regularly, which is what we talked about before. But at the end of the last interview, you brought up the U.S. bankruptcy, and then we talked about that exclusively for sarahwestall.tv and my Ebonier members, but it's 
time to bring that to the public and talk more in depth about what bankruptcy is. And then we'll get into sovereignty as well, because that's, you know, people are starting to understand and starting to think about this and kick these ideas around. But the United States actually went into bankruptcy. I saw the files. And if I can find them, I'll put some of the files up here for people in video. But we really did go through a bankruptcy, but I don't understand totally what that means. And, and I, a few listeners understand what that means. Can you talk about what was entailed in this bankruptcy when it happened and what parts of the U.S. went into bankruptcy and why? Well, the biggest problem that people have getting their minds around is the fact that the Congress, our government, was replaced a long time ago with a bunch of corporations largely owned offshore. And they don't know that. They think that they elect people to Congress that actually represent them. They don't. The people they represent to Congress become agents for a foreign power. It all goes back to Lincoln's time. He was never elected president of the Republic. He couldn't. He was a bar attorney. A bar attorney cannot hold a public office in this country. And they think, oh, well, that's the old uh, Amendment 13 that never got ratified. I've read all the stuff about it. It's all silly nonsense because it's in the body of the Constitution itself. People who have a foreign title cannot hold a public office, cannot even be a citizen of the Republic. And, and explain what a bar, bar members attorney are is. British. Mm. They're a British agent. Bar means British accredited registry. They have their own labor union temple, like a guild, in the middle of property in Westminster neighborhood of London that belongs only to the Pope. It's never been part of England, ever. And the Queen of England right now, Elizabeth II, if she crosses the street into that one square mile that belongs to the Pope, has no power at all. No the city of London. At all. The city of London. The city of London. It was originally a Roman walled city that was abandoned in 400 and William the Conqueror placed a flag there and said it was going to be a city-state, gave him a charter. Later on the Templar Knights placed the Pope's flag there and claimed it on his behalf and it's been his property ever since. What all sits in that property? Well, the Bank of England sits there. The Guild or Labor Union Temple, the Middle Temple on Fleet Street, for the Bar Association worldwide. And all the American Bar, International Bar, all these bars that are in this country are franchises of that. So when somebody goes to law school and they think they, um, they learn American law, they're not. They've never been to law school. They're going to a law school learning British, what we call admiralty or special admiralty procedure under the international jurisdiction of the sea. That's not our law. Our law is land and soil. And we call it American common law in the constitution. It's a public law. And the type of court is entirely different. So what happened was during the last war that we actually were in was the war of 1812. And after that, the American people, the real American people and the American states did not enter into another war after that. The so-called civil war was planned offshore. France and England designed it. We would have never known that. It was all in secret. They wanted cotton at a decent price for their new industrial revolution, and they, they wanted our cotton. Well, Lincoln, being a bar member, 
and actually answering to England, became an agent to come in and start a war or strike the match for a war so that France and England could enter our country militarily, and they were ready to do that. Well, we had the West Coast uh, kind of being developed, and California in 1850 had become a state. So they were a nation state and a member of the Union. Oregon had already completed their constitution in 1857. They submitted their application in 1858, and we were accepted in 1859. So before the Civil War, Oregon and California were already under statehood, a member of the Union. They decided they would invite Russia to come take the West Coast away and remove us. So it was a party three members of the party, and Russia looked at the whole situation and decided no, they refused to participate. Alexander II sent his entire naval fleet to our shores out of San Francisco and out of Manhattan to patrol the coast to protect us from France and England, 1863. Mary Todd had uh, been on one of the vessels, congressional record. When asked 10 years after the war, he was asked why. He said, well, it wasn't that I was so enamored with the new republic, but France and England were going through an industrial revolution and cotton was really needed to feed those textile mills. It was the gold rush of centuries. Russia was not participating in that. If France and England got that chance to move ahead economically, Russia would never catch up. And he says, it just simply wouldn't be good for my people. And of course they assassinated him. They didn't like what he did. And that's what happens when you get involved with a very criminal type empire all over this planet that pretends to be governments of countries. And at the bottom of the heap or the top of the heap, however you want to measure it, you'll find the Britain. Britain is right there as a lapdog of the Pope's office. He hasn't been very holy in a long time, his office. So what happened was Lincoln did everything he could to get the war started. And he finally did get it going in South Carolina. Uh, he had seceded from the Union. He accused the South of seceding from the Union and the history books claim that today. But the opposite is true. The South did not secede at all. The South refused to participate in what Lincoln did with the federal government. And that's where we get to these bankruptcies. Lincoln was not president of the United States unincorporated federal republic. He became president of what he called the territorial branch of government as a CEO. He created his own United States of America incorporated in Delaware. He then used that as a basis for declaring emergency. And when the newspapers in the North and all over began to publish what he was doing, he rounded those people up and put them in prison without charges. Then that is documented. Yeah, that is yes. widely documented. Go ahead. Yes. And they say it was up to 20,000 people. One of them was the attorney general of one of the states. He did that without charges so that he wouldn't violate other rules. He just shut them up. He broke up 300 printing presses. This guy was not the guy we have painted a picture of and walks on water today, he really didn't free any slaves. People in his army did. 
I think a great deal of Harriet. I, I, yeah, it's it's horrible that they they spin people into different paradigms. But what do you think of the Casarian Mafia and how it ties to the Pope? Because I know Britain and the Pope is is behind most of this, but the Casarian Mafia, which I think is the Templars, right? The pirates, they are really tied before with that. The Pope. They were there okay. before that. Yeah, the Casari, can Around, you? I think it was the 700s. Rome yeah. has started to collapse. See, Rome was going down. Um, by the 600s, you had people like uh, Charlemagne running around spreading the state religion of Rome, which is their version of Christianity. And from that point forward, many of the kings of Europe went through coronation and got crowned by the Pope's office. He began to gather more power because he was taking Roman law into his office, and then he became the Holy Roman Empire. By that time, it wasn't Rome anymore. It wasn't holy, and it certainly wasn't an empire. It was just a center for Roman law. The law he used was law that Justinian had created in the early 500s, and the Justinian deception of law, which was his cute trick, making dual meanings to words so that the court would always have an upper hand over anybody that showed up in the court. The Pope brought that forward and then gave it to the kings who were eventually the kings of England. And the kings of England brought it down through and eventually became admiralty law or what law schools right now to say today is the king's law American style. It's not. It's Roman law through the Pope's office. When Boniface VIII in 1302, and by that time the Justinian um, the Fourth Crusade in South France had happened and was finished, France had increased her uh, landmass almost twice what it is or was at that time, and the Templars were gone or about to go because they were going to remove them and steal all their money because they they got so rich doing what they were doing. Many of those people fled to Scotland. They were there when the Bannockburn battle between Robert the Bruce and Edward II. The, the knights were living there then at that time. They had already abandoned their ships and went over there, became people, became fathers of families. They were celibate before. And then entered the battlefield. And when they entered the battlefield, the description historically tells you something very big happened, and it's not what historians say today. They say that the townspeople picked up pitchforks and sighs and made their own banners from bread bed sheets and then entered the battlefield and won the day. Please, please, against knights, not a way. A knight is worth a hundred foot soldiers. And those people on the English side dropped their weapons, dropped their flags, abandoned their money, and ran screaming from the field. So what they happened? ran from the field. That's interesting. The Knights Templar came over the hill, and nobody wants to fight that military unit. They're, okay. they're suicidal. They don't care if they die. And that, so that was in Scotland. Pope, what year was that? It around? was in Scotland. The point was, Scotland was a rogue nation. They were not crowned. Well, Robert the Bruce had never been crowned by the Pope. He was excommunicated. Scotland could not trade with any of the other community of nations, the other kingdoms, because the Pope forbid it. 
the Pope began to control commerce by crowning the kings. And if he controls the commerce, and if you don't play ball, he pulls your crown and you no longer can trade with the other nations. I'm sure there was a black market, but that happened to John, that was Henry, uh, Richard the Lionheart's little brother, when he uh, offended the Pope, that's called the Ruddymead affair, and he had his crown taken away. It's never been given back. It still sits in that one square mile of property in Westminster neighborhood right now. It's the property of the Pope. So the Queen of England and all the monarchs, even Henry VIII, are all subjects of the Pope. And people think Henry VIII broke away and made his own church, and he was a Catholic his whole life. He was born a Catholic, raised a Catholic, lived a Catholic, died a Catholic. It didn't matter what church he made. He was never a member of his own church. He had to be. Can you explain, though, the Kassarian Mafia? Because you said it was before that. How does this they tie had, in, uh, and who are they? Go ahead. Kassaria was a, a country. It was a criminal country. It was an annoyance to everybody from Turkey to Russia. And a coalition of countries decided to take it apart. So they did. And when they took it apart and removed it, they gave them the choice of selecting one of the major religions at the time. And the three main ones that they were offered was Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam. They chose to be Jewish. They then were dispersed throughout Europe and they did not disband. So what they did was they created an underground in which they replaced crown princes in many of the kingdoms with a lookalike. And if you knew a crown prince at six years old and you had a little boy that looked just like him, you would abduct the real crown prince and, and place your lookalike in his place, substitute. But you would document it with witnesses so that when that person became the king, you could expose him as a fraud or he could play ball and do exactly as you tell him on certain issues. And they did that throughout Europe. They did that throughout England. It's been said, and I can't prove it, I wish I could find the documentation, that even Victoria had quite a few children, not by her husband. These people were documented. That her real child is in Spain and refuses to have anything to do with it. Well, and let me, let me ask you, a lot of these these children were raised by uh, nannies and things. So yes. the actual parents as, wouldn't even as know. As royal family. They yeah, were so raised the, as royal family. So the a parents, crown prince becomes a king. But if no, but he becomes I, a king and he isn't really a king and they can prove it, then well, he's my, subject to public exposure. Well, my point is, is that parents, at the time that they swapped them out, the parents didn't even know because they weren't even around their kids enough to know. No, they never were. Crown so princes that's why they could get away with commonly it. killed. Mary, Queen of Scots' husband, was the king of the Crown Prince of France. She married him. Just as he became king, he was on a hunting trip and magically had an accident and didn't come back from the hunting trip. He died. He was killed, of course. Somebody else wanted somebody else in there. They were moving things beneath the surface and no one could ever see it. Mary had to leave France since she had been born in Scotland and was Scottish in the first place. 
she went back to her home country and became Mary Queen of Scots. But she was from Margaret. Margaret was Henry VIII's older sister. She had a higher claim on the throne than Elizabeth did. She was extremely dangerous to Elizabeth's place, even though Mary didn't want the crown of England. She just wanted to be protected from the Protestant Reformation that was going on in Scotland. She was a, a Catholic. All the Highlanders were Catholic. She couldn't get enough protection. They threw her in prison. They broke her out. They put her on a boat. She went to Elizabeth for sanctuary. Elizabeth couldn't protect her. They put her in her house of rest in Northampton, way near the, not far from the Scottish border. And she lived out her life there. But eventually they conned her into asking for help from France, from a Catholic group. What she thought was an underground message way, they put a note inside of a bung and a barrel of beer. It was all a setup. And when they had her own handwriting that she was asking for a foreign power, that was all it took. They asked for her head. Elizabeth refused to sign the death warrant. So they slipped the death warrant into a stack of bills that Elizabeth was signing and didn't see that she'd signed the death warrant and they had her head off that afternoon. They didn't waste any time at all. They had to kill her. That's the kind of thing that goes on in the power behind the throne. And when you look at Elizabeth's own diaries, it gives you a good idea. Here she is, the Virgin Queen. She's got her image all over the place. She's got these naval officers running around claiming everything on her behalf. And then we read her little notes about herself. She says, I live my life in small rooms. And what does that Terrified. mean? Terrified. Terrified okay. of who may show up at the door. That's, that's her life. And when she died, she was on her deathbed. They said, how about Mary's son? She didn't even reply. She put her hand over her head like that. And her handler said, oh, she says that's okay. <laughs> and we had James. <laughs> James had been raised as a king. So now the Caesarian Mafia then, who was slowly taking over all the kings and the whole setup. They have their royal family lines. They do. Oh. They have their bloodlines and they kept themselves together. They're still together today. There's now, how does that behind most everything we see? Yeah. And then how does they that tie to the Pope? Yeah, they control the whole money, but how does that how does that relate to the Pope? Did the Pope have power over them for a while, or is it equal, or now have they gained? I mean, where does this... They're kind of hidden. They're a very hidden group. They don't, they don't show themselves very much. Every once in a while, one of these king lines that has some power eventually, and it goes out of sight, you can't see it. I saw this thing happen with uh, Charles de Gaulle. It was very interesting. Charles de Gaulle came back into politics because France was in chaos. After World War II, it never got itself together and it was a mess. And finally, he went to this royal family line, which was a hidden line, and they asked them to help him. Immediately, there was a coalition put together. Immediately, there was a power under the whole political movement in France. And overnight, he was elected president. Well, and that's what we see today. And immediate, immediately, they disbanded and disappeared. They came together, they did the thing, and they disappeared. And Charles de Gaulle went on and tried to clean up the country. He had a hard time of it, but he was trying to rescue their economics. 
we had by that time created the Brenton Woods thing had made hedge fund out of the US dollar and the US dollar was backed by gold and silver. And therefore, anytime any country came to the window, they could get gold and silver and replace the fiat currency that was being circulated. And France came to the window and took almost all of our gold <laughs> at, that we had available at the time. That was under Richard Nixon's administration in 1971. It's a, a, so immediately Nixon took you're saying France hold stand. on hold on you're saying France took the gold from us on in 1971 or was it stolen way before that all we had in, in circulation because we had taken it out of circulation a long time before and buried it in tunnels in the Philippines and in Indonesia we have great a huge cache of gold in those two places England did the same thing in, in Singapore they all had these big bolts of gold, taking it out of circulation so that they could replace it with a military currency, which is just script. If you use script, you can pump it back and forth with market forces, they say, and you can program into it uh, an inflation rate that's constant so that they're always making profit and they can move it around much easier than they can a solidified currency under gold. So, our idea of money is silly. It's just a military script. I was in the, in the service in Japan and we had script all the time. We're not allowed to have greenbacks. So do and we greenbacks have- greenbacks are just a script. Yeah, they are. They're just a fiat currency, but now do we still own that are. gold in the Philippines? Yes, we do. And, and Jack Kennedy was going to put us back on the gold standard. And he was already talking to Sukarno in the Philippines or in uh, Indonesia. Um, MacArthur already had taken the Philippines back from Japan, and he had sent many shiploads of gold to Harry Truman, completely undocumented, and it went underneath our military and under our CIA, and there was just a whole bunch of stuff that went on outside of the view of the American people. Well, eventually, Ferdinand Marcos, a Chinese, actually, uh, person, who was the trustee of our reserves in the Philippines, uh, he decided to bring gold onto the bullion market by himself. He had to hide the fact that much of that gold came out of China because the Japanese had been burying gold right alongside of our caches of gold. It's called Yamashita's Gold. It was a famous book about the gold warriors. That gold is always 21 karat because it was ancient gold and it would be flagged immediately in the bullion market if they saw it. So he had to re-smelt the gold into 24 karat pure. In order to do that, he hired a guy from Nevada that had a process. His name was Curtis. And Curtis ended up being in the trial for Ferdinand Marcos in Hawaii when the CIA <laughs> made it so difficult for him to stay in the Philippines. And he thought he was being rescued to his summer palace. He ends up in court in Hawaii. And the trial went on. The CIA jumps in to try to stop the trial because they knew that during discovery, it was going to come out all this hidden stuff that had been going on with MacArthur and Truman and all that. It was too late. The trial was underway. It's already court record. So that's how we learned all Curtis, this stuff. Huh, Curtis testified, and I've got the book on his testimonies. He told most everybody that the gold that he was working with was not mined in the Philippines. There were warehouses full of gold at that time that had been recovered from these tunnels. Some of the tunnels were 30 kilometers long full of gold. 
that wow. had been buried there. We started burying it there in the 1800s. Franklin Roosevelt took it out of circulation and had more buried later. It was a basis of our gold reserve. And we said we had 8,000 tons at Fort Knox. <laughs> we had over 300,000 tons that came onto the bullion market under Mar Marcos alone. <laughs> they had to stop this, but they couldn't. So we have a lot of assets that are not, the public doesn't understand that we have. And so I've heard that, yes, you know, they right. say that we're in debt, but we really are a credit nation. We don't have we're the not. debt. We, have, we owe nothing at all. There's no debt at all, never has been. That's bogus. And that's so What they did with the fiat currency on that side of the issue, what they did was they added up all of our expenses without adding any of our assets. And if you did that in your own life and all you ever added up was what you owed for the whole of your life and never what you ever earned, you're going to end up with a big debt figure. But if you bring the assets against and, and put it on the same ledger with the expenses, it'll zero out. And under the Federal Reserve Act, we have to provide credit for all of the fiat dollars in circulation because they're a debt note, they're not a real currency. They don't admit to this uh, credit that we have involved, but the credit is the same size as the money issued as a debt note. So if we have a trillion or 20 trillion or $75 trillion debt, we have a $75 trillion credit as well. And they never tell anybody about that. They just make it sound like we have this huge debt. It's being done by a corporation that doesn't belong to the American people at all. Our Congress is not our Congress. Well, the corporation it's declared bankruptcy. Okay, they declared yes, bankruptcy. several times. Okay, Many and times. the most recent one was what, in 2018? And I actually saw the files. Now, if we it's don't- 2015 that Obama filed in 2015, but he didn't want to, he was forced to. We were insolvent and the, they had a, Big, these community of nations get together with trees and he was forced into bankruptcy. So he filed a chapter seven, he chapter, chapter seven, but he, that chapter seven was for the municipal corporation in DC called the United States. It has its own constitution and it's actually got a contract with the Holy See, the Pope. They also had a, a bankruptcy, a chapter 11, for the territorial branch of government. And that one is with Elizabeth because her administration owns the territorial corporation called the United States of America, Inc. They just don't say that it's Inc. It's not our government. It has not been since Lincoln. Lincoln turned the government upside down. He turned, he gave it away. Well, why did they have to declare bankruptcy? If we don't have the actual country doesn't have the debt, but these, what's no, going on with these corporations? The okay. The corporation ran the bill up really high and then tried to hand the bill to us. It didn't work quite well. Lincoln did it when he made his own Delaware corporation called the United States of America Incorporated, Inc. And, and used it to get the war started and then declared bankruptcy on April 25th of 1863. Now, Gettysburg had happened in January and the country was literally out, out of money. There are some evidences that he got money from the Pope's office, which is the crown of England, by the way. <laughs> That's the Pope's office. 
in order to continue the war after 1863. And the crown of and, England is not the same thing as the queen of, of England. It's oh no. a separate oh crown no. company. No, no. Yeah. The just want to clarify no that. crown. It's like all of these crowning heads of Europe going way back. The queen gets to wear the crown on her coronation day, and there's pictures of her holding it, sitting there. Very young woman, 1952, I believe it was. And then it goes back to where it belongs in the office of the Pope. The crown of England was the banking consortium that paid for the building of our colonies. Jamestown, <laughs> they don't call it Jamestown over there. The London entrepreneurs was the crown bank and investors that put this thing together for Jamestown. The King of England at the time, James, signed the thing, but it wasn't his money that did it. And as the crown funds colonies, and then we get into a revolutionary war with the administrators of the colonies, but not the owners, and then we have to go to Paris and have a peace treaty, and we end up talking about George III as being the Prince of Peace. Well, that's because <laughs> it wasn't his money that we that built the thing. We were fighting the wrong people. We were fighting the administrators, the redcoats. Well, it was kind of a mess, but we eventually had to have a contract. And we had to have a contract with the owners. And the Holy See owns North America. He claimed it in 1302, along with his Unum Sanctum, as all the known world was his, and all the souls on the known world were his. It didn't go down well with the King of France because he thought that was usurping on his authority. So he sent a team of military people over and he kidnapped the Pope, took him to France, threw him in prison for what he did. The people broke him out because you can't put God in prison, so to speak. But that has never been repealed. It's still in effect today. We still have the Unum Sanctum. Yeah, people have been brainwashed for centuries, right? They I mean, and, and most they didn't know anything. Yeah, and we're illiterate now. They think they're literate, That's but right. they're extremely. We the worst are. thing is somebody who is extremely illiterate, but is cocky and overconfident and thinks that they're very educated. That's the worst thing. I know. But we have a whole scene. I've had more trouble with professors, <laughs> professors who really, they you have to put your heart out to them. They spend so many years in, in education and they spend so much of their money getting an education, but what they get is an indoctrination. I have a brother-in-law I think dearly of. He was a, pres a principal of a Catholic high school in Portland, Oregon. I think the world of the guy, but he hasn't got a clue <laughs> what really goes on in what he thinks is government and banking. He didn't even know until I was talking to him one day, he got mad at me, that the Federal Reserve was a private institution. He didn't know that. And he thought I was out of my mind saying such a thing. Everybody did he go and do his research? Government, he did he did. do it? And then he my realized that he apologized. Go ahead. Well, he didn't apologize to me, but he came back to my sister who pushed his button and said, well, you know how to do research, go find out. And he did find out. I'll give him that. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Every government agency from the Supreme Court down to the local dog catcher has a Dun & Bradstreet number. They have a credit rating. It's not our government. It's a, a bunch of corporations under control of foreign powers. 
Well, but then they've we turned like us people. into corporations too, right? I mean, they've turned we are, everything individually. Yeah, well, because you're they a, could. You're a corporation. Everybody is. Yeah, and you're, until you're you get that cleared up on the land. Well, you're born a sovereign and the baby as a baby. You're born on the land. That was decreed a long time ago. And, and frankly, it's a family story. I can't verify it or uh, prove anything. It's a family story of the Belcher family. And I have, to, I have to give them credit. I think it's probably true. But I've looked at John Adams' diaries and read his papers. And I, I love John Adams. Uh, everybody knows about Jefferson, but you ought to see the workhorse that was John Adams, the things he did. I just admire the man. But he couldn't have done what he was doing without some kind of a letter allowing him to talk to the sovereigns of another nation. He went to The Hague in the Netherlands and obtained money to so Washington could pay off the he, he owed wages to the Continental Army. My grand one of my grandfathers was there. He was a sergeant in Virginia. They hadn't been paid. They rebelled twice against the government, which was second Congress at the time. They would have overthrown Washington's newly won. It wasn't even over yet, hardly. I think within months of the end of the fighting, they had rebelled twice. The Marine Corps protected the government from the army itself. They needed to have money to pay those people because they promised them wages and they hadn't received any. They'd walked through snow without shoes. They had fought without hardly anything. France came in and won the war for us, finally. They were pretty upset people. I can understand their attitude. And John Adams went to the Hague and asked for money and came home. And within a year, it was home. We had the money. And my grandfather, he got, I think it was something like $94 biannually. I got the paper in my own records. He was getting a little old by that time, but at least it happened in $94 of a lot of money in those days. So it did happen, and how it happened is a Belcher family story. Now, James Clinton Belcher, who is alive today, his many greats grandfather, I believe his name was William, lived in Braintree, Massachusetts, where John Adams came from, and John Adams knew him. At the time, they needed to borrow the money, and under the table, we had been offered the money. But how do you make an official request if you're not a sovereign? Because everybody's a head of state in that time and period. They're all kings. We didn't have a king. We didn't even want a king. And the only way we'd get the money was to make George Washington a king. And so they actually, there was a movement to make him a king, and that made everybody mad, him included, because he didn't want to be a king. They had to have some way out of this dilemma. And the story of the Belcher family was that he was approached by John Adams, who knew he was a sovereign. He didn't tell anybody about it, didn't want to talk about it. He was in the colonies for good reason. And he was a colonel in Washington's Continental Army, so Washington knew him. And he said, I'll just act as a, a head of state. And evidently, Adams had some kind of a letter that would talk to the royalty of the Netherlands, and he came home with the money. Well, Belcher said that's what happened. He was the one that acted as a sovereign. But at the time, the family story is he made the Continental Army all sovereign, like his family had received sovereignty under William the Conqueror. That's how they got their sovereignty. You can only have it decreed to you or you can inherit it by blood, but you can't make it yourself. It's like being knighted. You have to kneel and be tapped on the shoulder by a king. And 
sovereignty is the same thing. And he went, he went one step further. Suppose the story says, he said, all those, it goes, all those born on the land of this new country will be born a sovereign. That's a decree by a sovereign. And from that point forward, everyone born here is born with the same rank as a king without subjects. When some years later, they did the constitution, they put that in the constitution. The president who has to be head of state has to be born on the land. He can't be an immigrant. You have to be born on the land to be president of the Republic. You have to be a sovereign. Well, don't you think that God, if you believe in God, God already decreed that. That's right. And so That's everyone on the earth is sovereign. It's just, we have human beings that want to go usurp God's will. 